This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rutgers rant. Politi here, Lanny Fonseca, a 35-16 victory over Virginia Tech. Rutgers improves to 3-0. And fellas, I'm going to tell you now, in just a little bit, like a scooch, a little scooch of national buzz. Give you two examples here to get started. I get a call from the Big Ten Network of radio, not the I'm not I'm not worth TV, believe me. The radio network, Sirius XM, the producer's like, we gotta have you on. And I'm like, oh crap, what happened? Usually when they, usually when they're anxious to have me on, it's something bad. But instead, no, we gotta have you on. Ruck, I think Rutgers is the most underrated team in the country. They're gonna beat Iowa, they're gonna beat Michigan State. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay, bud. I'm I'll come on, let's do it. So that's one example. Number two, you know, if you guys saw this on ESPN, the rank in the 39 undefeated teams in the country on ESPN. The 39 left. ESPN puts Rutgers at 29, which is not great. But the blurb was just like, ignore everything we know about Rutgers from years past. This is quite possibly the school's best team since the Big East days. Buzz, what do you guys think? You buying this? People are getting swept up. Oh, my goodness. Swept up. I'm buying that they're better than they were the last two times they were 3-0 to start a season. I'm buying that this looks a lot different than last year. I'm buying that Rutgers has a blueprint to win because I feel like I would watch the replay of the first two games on Saturday. Again, they just ran the ball. They played great defense. They built a lead. They held onto it maybe a little too tightly. And they ultimately kind of skated their way to a win without much of a scare. So uh, if knowing what you are and winning the same way over and over is a good thing, which I think it is in college football, I could see where some of the hype is. I'm not sure I buy the guy saying they're the most underrated team in the country. I would say that 29th out of the 39 undefeated teams is pretty properly ranked. Pat, all right. So we we talked about getting to 3-0. They are 3-0, but they're not just 3-0. They played two Power 5 teams, and they've won their games by a 21-point average margin of victory. I know we nitpick them in the moment when we watch Virginia Tech. We're like, oh, too conservative. Oh, too this, too that. I don't know. Taking care of business. Taking care of business in the most Rutgers way possible, too. Like Brian said, they have an identity. They're going to play to that identity. And uh, they're controlling the ball, uh, playing great defense. So, yeah, I, I don't. you can nitpick it all you want. But every time it seems to die down a little bit, they find this spark. It's been Kyle Manungai, who, by the way, leads the Big Ten in rushing. Wow, is that right? Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, we've talked a lot about him. He's a beast. I think he's the team MVP easily. The game he had there, again, it's not just the big 55-yard run. It's the blocks. It's the whole package with him. Uh, And he, I thought, and I wrote this after the game, I kind of think he he represents what this team needs to be, the attitude needs to have. It still is 
as we underappreciated, it's still a bunch of under-recruited guys. You're going into the big house. You got to bring more than just a style of play. You got to bring an attitude. You got to bring heart. You got to, you got to face the team that's more talented than you. And I think that he represents that in a lot of ways. Um, Brian, when you're watching the film, what are you learning about this team's offense running the ball first? And also what were you getting from Gavin Wimsett running the ball? Yeah, Gavin running the ball was that was probably his best game with his feet thus far in his career. I thought he really has learned how to find opportunities and take them. His 34 yard run, which was helped a lot by two great blocks from Johnny Langan and Kyle Manungai. Those two guys blocked really, really well yesterday. But Gavin, when he finds the crease, he's shown some wheels, man. He's he's running pretty well. He's not afraid to take the ball and, and run with it. He is really good at evading pressure. I know that the offensive line is getting a lot of credit as they should. Two games out of the first three without giving up a sack. Some of that is Gavin really getting a guy mm-hmm. in his face and avoiding it. That's that's very good and positive for him. Passing-wise, obviously, this was his worst game of the season yet. Some of it, miscommunication with his wide receivers. Uh, it looked like him and Jaquay Jackson on a couple routes and even Christian Dremble on one weren't really on the same page, and that led to uh, an incomplete pass. Some of it was just missed throws. Some of it was drops. Common on guy missed two, dropped two passes, although Gavin really threw them pretty hard. <laughs> Probably way harder than he should, right. uh, but Kyle's got to catch those. And then some of them were just missed throws. I thought he overthrew Jaquay Jackson a bit much on that deep pass, although Rutgers could argue that he got pushed down by his horse collar and probably should have gotten a penalty. And then he just missed two passes to Ian Strong, one especially on a third down where the kid is wide open. And he just yeah. – I don't know if he didn't see him. I don't know if he just didn't want to take the risk. I don't know what it was, but Ian was wide open for a first down and he misses him. So, uh, And I think part of that is just not wanting to risk it I think part of that is part of the conservative nature that this team gets into in second halves with the lead. And Gavin really buys into not wanting to turn the ball over and creating mistakes is, was an issue that plagued them last year. He's been really good at avoiding it this year. I think he's really conscious of that. When you go into Michigan to pull off an upset, I think to your point about the attitude, I just don't think you can have that attitude. I think you got to, I think this is the game Rutgers kind of has to let loose and go, take some risks. And if, if, Picks happen, picks happen, but I don't think you can beat Michigan with ball control and time killing, and and I think it has to be a bit of a different game plan this week. Pat? I think I was going to say, sure, you can think that, but I think Rutgers is going to try their very best to just <laughs> to, to pull like an army-type upset against Michigan and control the ball for 40 minutes and and win like 14 10 you know like i really think if there's a if there's a recipe if there's a if there's a pathway to this upset it's doing what the service academies do and and finding a way to like just absolutely keep michigan off the field and and just dominate the time of possession that's it to me i I don't know how you can you can't with the way gavin wimsett has thrown the ball so far you're not going to go shot for shot with with michigan Uh, mccarthy is just throwing the ball at a very high level and that offense looks very explosive, the opposite of what Rutgers' offense is. I guess what, yeah, and that, you, that's a good point about the strategy there. He's still going to have to make, for sure, he's going to make some passes. He's going to have to throw the ball. They're not some dominant running team, despite the success, especially against a defense that is as good as Michigan's. I guess you've mentioned a couple of those throws. What bothered me, there were two throws in particular to to Ian Strong that I think of. The one you talked about, it wasn't a throw to Ian Strong. He was wide open there underneath. It was a third down, third and five midfield. Just wide, I mean, just he would have run for another 10 yards, gotten the first down easily, and Gavin didn't see him or didn't throw the ball to him. And I can't I – did, I looked at it a couple of times. I didn't see any way that there was a risk in trying to make the pass. I think he just didn't see his guy, number one. And number two, another one later in the game – or Strong's open again, and he just throws it behind him a hair. And th- those are the kind of throws like, all right, you're going to miss. I get it. Jaquay Jackson, you're going to miss a long throw. And I don't need, you don't need to, th- those are, you know, 20%, 10% throws to begin with. But if the ones that, when you just got, you're going to have to make that throw to upset Michigan. You just can't, you're not going to be able to waste opportunities like that. And I guess that's what stuck out with me, you know, as good as he was. And I really do. I think fans who would kind of, you know, bail on him are, are wrong. He, uh, he's done basically everything Marcus has asked. He's run the ball well. He's protected the ball. He's not turning it over. He's made he's made some throws too. It's just those throws where you're like, all right, that seems to me, Brian, that's an easy, that's just, that's a gimme or a college football version of a gimme. Couldn't have said it better myself. Those are passes you need to complete. And to your point, I agree that Gavin has been as good as I think anyone could realistically have expected. I think he took a pretty significant jump from last year. I think he's shown that so far he is the quarterback Rutgers 
needs at this point, at least through the first three games. I'm curious to see how he handles this step up in competition, this next test. It'll be pretty telling about where he really stands in his development. All right. Well, let's talk about the third quarter for a minute since we talked about all the good stuff. I think a lot of people, some of them in the press box, some of them in the stands, didn't love the play calling in the game. And I, you, know, you gave me you gave me crap about it because in the first half, I was like, why are they not running the ball? And in the second half, when they exclusively ran the ball, I was like, why are they running the ball? And it's great. So, I mean, OK, I, I get it. There's Offensive corners can't win unless it works. I understand that completely. However, I do think. And this is the second straight game where I felt this way, where they just got too conservative. They went into a shell. They they decided that, all right, we're up. We're going to win this game, you know, by by playing a conservative brand. And what happened was that they certainly didn't lose it, but they let the other team back in the game, Pat. And I guess that's what, when I'm thinking about, you know, what happened there in the third quarter of those two games, that's what I think the one thing that'll have to trouble you about these last two performances. Exactly. Exactly. The fact that both teams got back into the game is very alarming. I'm going to play devil's advocate here with you, Steve, a little bit, because well, please. I, I think that when you do have the lead, as Shiano was in, referring to 21-3, you want to go to your strength, which is run the ball. And maybe it was a little bit too much running the ball, but I, I thought uh, they did kind of exactly what I expected them to do with the lead. It just they didn't execute at the level that they needed to. Maybe the, the holes weren't as big or they just didn't find the running lanes. But I thought the play calling was fine for being up 21 to three. Even those third down runs when you're running like third and long and you're running? Uh, you know, you got to stick to what your what your identity is. We talk about identity and let's uh, we, we reward it when it works and we, we hate it when it doesn't work. But that's this who Rutgers is. Break the tie, Fonseca. Who do you agree with? So I, I think that you were right that if it had worked and they just killed clock like they did it like they did against Northwestern and maybe they score a touchdown like they did against Northwestern, we think what a brilliant strategy. Just run it down their throats, give them body blows, as Shano referred to it in his press conference, and we're all like, this is brilliant. There was room for some shots, some mid-range passes because you know virginia tech knew they were running they were stacking eight guys in the box there yeah, was some space yeah. behind to to throw it into i just don't know if they trusted gavin or if they didn't want to risk it um and in, in fairness to them in the third quarter gavin had two throws and he missed both of them i believe that's when he missed the ian strong pass the, the short pass that you mentioned which was a good call so i mean you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't if you pass the ball he misses the throws you think why didn't you just run there they run the ball they get stuff you think you know, why don't you pass the ball? I will say that one call that Shano brought up that I thought they could have gone for was that fourth and one at midfield, first drive of the third quarter. I really think and this is true also the second quarter when when Flip Dixon gets that interception. I did think there were opportunities there for Rutgers to really step on Virginia Tech's throat and just kill it, which is something they haven't done in those first three games, like you guys said. They let teams kind of hang around. I think when there's an opportunity, step on their throat, build a huge lead, kill their spirit, because that's what they did in the fourth quarter against Temple, Virginia Tech. Common guy scores those touchdowns against those two teams. You just see them get absolutely deflated. Virginia Tech died the moment he scored that 55-yard touchdown run where the entire left side of the field is open. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like they could have done that earlier, and they are more content to just kind of buy their time, wait for that opportunity to strike. Um, I just think that when it's there, a, a shot is, is warranted. Yeah, I understand why he punted there. It's early. It's the first drive of the... Uh, third quarter, you're, you're depending on your defense. I, I kind of get that. And believe me, and I think that we've learned that Greg Schiano is going to go for fourth and shorts. He is an NFL and he's got that memo. <laughs> like he is not going to be the one who, you know, he he's seen the analytics and he's, he's right to go to be aggressive, especially when he believes in his quarterback running game. But yeah, that one's tough. When you talk about the defense, and I, I think this is interesting. I thought the defense played a really good game. I wonder, they have the one breakdown in the third quarter, on the long pass, one short field got him. I mean, maybe it was inevitable, but then they, re I mean, they rebounded. And I think that we, we didn't talk enough about Aaron, Aaron Lewis's tackle on the two point conversion. Cause then there's a field goal game. If he doesn't get that, cause that kid's going to get in for two. Just made a great, just swipe the leg, make a great stop to keep him from going in there. Flip Dixon, again, the best transfer portal player I think Rutgers has had. They have playmakers in defense, Pat. I mean, this is the one thing that one thing we've seen here that's been consistent. Brian had a great breakdown of the Aaron Lewis uh, play in his in his film review. And uh, after the game, Brian asked him a great question, just like 
he really did a great job to sweep the legs or sweep the ankles. And uh, Aaron Lewis raises his eyebrow like like the rock from WWE and goes, <laughs> he was fast, right? He was fast. <laughs> and then it was it was a good moment. Just, from, again, a really, really fun guy to talk to, Aaron Lewis. Yeah. But yeah, the defense, again, has has just been really good. There's no other way to put it. Flip Dixon, like you said, transfer portal gold, uh, a really good addition to this team. Uh, and and the best part of Flick Dixon is, besides the nickname, which if you want to go back and read in my training camp story, I'll, it'll explain why he's named Flip, has been great. Well, why don't you <laughs> tell us why he's named Flip? I don't want to oh, go back and read okay. it. Just, just uh, tell us why he's named Flip. Well, his his, uh, his uncle said that he had huge feet when he was ki- a kid and they looked like flippers. Oh. So flippers became Flip, gotcha. which is fun. And Aaron Lewis, again, a great game. Linebackers played great. And then this secondary has just been absolutely sensational. A guy that doesn't get enough credit because of his job. Max Melton obviously has got that NFL cal- NFL pedigree, but the guy that gets no credit and never gets a shout out is Robert Longerbeam. Yeah, he's he's been terrific. He's been terrific. It'll be interesting to see how they match up against uh, Michigan's offense, and if it's going to be a bigger test for that secondary. All right. So before we do true or false, we're going to take a break here for a word from our. Wonderful sponsors, either the Heldridge Hotel or the Helix, Devco, New Jersey. Thank you for sponsoring the show. We'll be back in a minute. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. All right, we're back for true and false. True or false? You guys know how this works. Getting we got a little frisky last week on true or false. I think we will again because there's at least one topic here that we're still fighting over, and it's going to be good. All right, true or false? Forget Michigan. Rutgers should be six and two when Ohio State comes to town. True or false, Brian? So I would say half true. I think they should absolutely be five and three. They absolutely should be five and three. That's false. (laughs) But I think six and two is very realistic. I just don't know. Should feels very authoritative. I think they should be five and three. I think six and two, very realistic. So I will say half true. Half true. Pat, you're going to weasel out. Are you going to say true? I hate this forget Michigan part because I think this is the most exciting game that the Rutgers Rutgers (laughs) is going to play in a long time. So, But no, if you look at the schedule, they should be six and two. True. All right, true or false, the play calling was fine in the third quarter. Rutgers didn't execute. We talked a little bit about this, Pat. I think I know your answer. Go ahead. Yeah, I said they didn't execute, so true. Brian? <laughs> I think I'm going to agree with Pat here. I think I'm going to say true. Wow, all right. I'm, I'm just going false still. I'm just not quite there with you guys in that one. All right, true or false, the offensive line didn't miss a beat even after losing right tackle Tyler Needham. I think a lot of people are excited about the play of Taj White coming in for for some of that game. Pat, true or false? Offensive line has been a revelation this year. True. Brian, you watched the film. True or false? I'll say true. But I thought it was pretty much the same as with Needham's in there. I'll say true. Yeah, true. And against the best defensive front they played. So I think that's a really encouraging thing. Obviously, it's not going to be the best defensive front for a while after they get there Saturday. All right, true or false, the tight ends will have a bigger role in this offense soon. My biggest surprise is not seeing tight ends get a role. Pat, true or false? Man, yeah, I watched a lot of Sharaka tape, and there was a lot of tight end play. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say false because the script has been laid out, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And the three, tight ends yeah. have just not been evolved in, in, in three games, so yeah. false. Brian, you agree, true or false? To be clear, you mean as a pass catchers, right? Because they've been very yep. involved as blockers. As great I said, point. Johnny Langan had a great game. Uh, Sean Bowman came in really as a blocker, and he's done a good job in the passing game. I have to think false because if if you're going to involve Johnny Langan and Sean Bowman, who hasn't been targeted once, I don't think, Sean Bowman, I think you would do that against you know Virginia Tech and Temple and not against Michigan and Iowa and, and them. 
so I'll say falls. I think we can continue to expect Johnny Langan to get one or two targets a game. Maybe Sean Bowman gets the odd target, but I will say I'm very surprised at how little of a factor that position has been in the past game thus far. I'm going to say true, and this is why, because each game we've had, first game we were talking about Ian Strong was going to be the big receiver. Next game was J.K. Jackson. And then this game, everyone talking about Christian Dremel. I just think that every time we think we know what this offense is doing, is a good thing. So I'm going to say true, the tight ends will have a role eventually. All right. Great point. Great point. Here's one that we yelled at each other about in the press box, folks. This is what we do before games. We just get angry at each other. True or false? Rutgers, quote unquote, gave Michigan a scare last season in a 52 to 17 loss. Pat, true or false? 1000% true. When you have one of the best teams in the country losing at halftime, that's a scare. Was were Michigan fans not like, how the f are we gonna blow this to Rutgers at halftime? Did they not say that? I know they did not say that. Right, Brian, true or false? Oh true or false? Yeah, I know where you. They, they did say that because I did a post at halftime that very day where Michigan fans were freaking out that the national championship hopes are dead, and I gotta think Jim Harbaugh wasn't saying it's all right, guys. We're gonna come back at halftime. I'm pretty sure the walls of Shy Stadium had paint peeled from him yelling. So I will say 100 percent unequivocally true. Okay, so you know where I'm going on this. I think the phrase give a scare suggests that at some point Michigan was going to lose that game. And I don't think anyone realistically watching that thing at halftime said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I know you guys were scrambling to get your what like by one point Brian's like, what are we gonna do? You were like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna, what are we gonna do if they win this game? And I'm just sitting there like with Kermit the Frog and a cup of and a, and a cup of tea. It's like, oh perhaps we should watch the second half of the football game, Brian. So I just don't I don't know. I'm sorry. I just didn't the go give a scare when you lose 52 to 17. And by the way, I think it was but they scored like 14 points, 35 points in the third quarter, right? They poured it on immediately in that game. So I don't know. Give us just a little strong. Give us care. Played a nice first half. Yes. Ah, that's just my Played that's great my on special teams. Remember the quote? The greatest punting outfit in the history of college football. Yes, that was oh God. every time every time Harbaugh comes here, he just delivers something that just is, stays into the uh and to, I'm sure Rob Ash appreciates it, but in, in the annals of great of great moments of uh, of quotes. Uh, but all right. So we just agreed to disagree on that one. That's fair. I'm sure fans can write in and yell at me for saying it wasn't give a scare, but that seems a little strong. All right. Finally, true or false, the horn needs to go. This is like when you go, like I kind of wander in to see what fans are talking about. And the horn is like a big topic of conversation. Do we need a horn at Rutgers games? Pat important topic couldn't be more important i mean this okay. horn is a disaster absolute disaster <laughs> it's gotta go and it's it was, gotta go it's a little bit stronger than i expected wow it's okay. gotta go it's first of all it used to be one horn every now and then which was fine get right. get people pumped up now it's three four blow three they blow the horn three to four times on each third down right it's beyond excessive do you think there's just too much horn like an occasional horn would be okay got it i still don't even get the the whole reference i guess that the northeast yeah. corridor line runs through new brunswick is just why it's like a a is train that... down well i don't think that's okay what's brian the, point of it? the canon makes sense the canon makes sense right it's a, a revolutionary well colonial right, right? absolutely love the canon colonel colonel rutgers should stay forever. Can Everyone stay knows forever. The, Colonel the horn Rutgers. needs to go. Okay. I uh, totally agree with Pat. Um, I think he's right about the train thing. I I, I really do. I think because it started in Louisville and I, I don't know, whatever. The point is this. I know the NCAA is very slow and methodical and doesn't do anything. I think they should put this at the top of their priority list and make it <laughs> illegal to have a horn in the stadium. Because I think, and I hope Rutgers has good health insurance because they're going to be paying for a lot of people's ear, nose, and throat doctor appointments soon because people are going to go deaf because these stupid horns are so loud and so frequent and they're driving me crazy. I need to buy a lifetime subscription to Advil Gosh. to deal with my headache. So um, I will agree with Pat. The horn, at the very least, has to go back to the old days of occasional you know, touchdown, et cetera, but it's got to go. 
I love the passion about this. So my analysis on this is it seems like for for the better part of 147 years, Rutgers football kind of just did some game day stuff. And now they've really upped it to a to a high degree and we've seen it in, in every in every way possible and this is 90 percent a good thing but they're just like they have thrown so much stuff against that ah, we're gonna have drones we're gonna have a horn we're gonna have you know just like light show they've got all this stuff they can do now that they're just like they've just kind of overdone it a little bit not like to a total degree and i'm not in the crowd i don't care really to be honest with you but it's i mean i think that just that's what's happened like eventually the the boardwalk you know it's been great but you know before you know it there's going to be there's going to be a tilt to whirl out there we're going to go whoa we've really moved on to like i mean you're gonna have a scrambler or a roller coaster yeah they're gonna have something out games if you're gonna have something out there you're gonna be like wow it's a log flume huh didn't i didn't see the log flume coming they moved king to Ka over from six flags and put it on the boardwalk <laughs> how about that <laughs> that's incredible here's a, here's a theory you know how a lot of people are leaving uh, before the end of the game, which, I mean, it's a, it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter, and there's like half the stadium is empty. Yeah. Is it because of the horn? Wow. Is that who people, we should play? It's horning them out. It it's could horning be. them out. Yep. I didn't know. It could just, yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Maybe it's traffic. Maybe it's students have better places to go. But uh, I, I I thought that the solution to the the people leaving early issue was maybe a close game that keeps things exciting. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's not enough. I don't. Know. The only solution is to make college football games not four hours long, but that's kind of out of Rutgers' hands. I think the only solution would be at padlocking the gates at twenty-five years of observing <laughs> this behavior. That I'm not sure that there's really much you're going to do. But I was surprised. I thought that that game. I don't know. And someone pointed out that it was Rosh Hashanah, and people had to go get home by sundown. Totally understand that. It just seemed, seemed like the student section just kind of like, hey, we did our we did our football thing. Where we had it, yeah, like the parties were beginning. It's only six thirty, guys. Come on, get in there. It's not that late, but yeah, that that was a, that was an issue. So less horn, perhaps the fans will stay. We'll try that next time. So uh, anything to talk about? Well, the six and two thing is interesting. We need to break it down in a minute. If you look at Rutgers' schedule coming up, I mean, now you look at that Michigan State game. They got just, I mean, not forget just having this massive scandal hovering over their the head coach who has yet to be dismissed. I mean, now they're now they're going to have that hearing for Mel Tucker the week of the Michigan State of Rutgers game. Uh, that team's in looks like it's in some sort of disarray. You're certainly going to get to at least four and one with Wagner. So I don't know. I, I what Brian? What's holding you back from saying six and two? I just think it's difficult to expect Rutgers to win because you'd have to win, you know, every game you should, right? I just think it's hard to expect them to to go perfect in that stretch. But I think it's certainly possible. I think Michigan State, at this point, you really got to win that game. Homecoming. They're not as strong. But there are at least, there are three, there are three Big Ten games where it wouldn't surprise you. It maybe surprise you a little bit they win at Wisconsin, but Wisconsin's not. They they were in a life and death battle with who? Who did they play last week? Marshall or Furman? They played uh, Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, Southern. right. Yeah. So that was a close game for a while. I would put that as a 50-50, frankly. Yeah, Indiana stinks. Indiana stinks. So uh, five and three seems like the minimum. That's what I'm saying. They should be. Wisconsin is the one win that's, you know, kind of holding me back. I think they're going to beat Indiana. I think they're going to beat Michigan State. Actually, would that make them six and two? Yeah, you guys are off off a little bit here. Your math is... Yeah. Go ahead, Pat. Say they lose to Michigan, beat Wagner. They're four and one going to Wisconsin. Right. Yeah. And it's... Michigan State, Indiana. Right. Yep. Oh, six and two. Oh, they'll be six and two. Then they should be six and two. I, 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 res- I rescind my um, I my schedule math was off. I rescind it. They should be six and two. Wow. Okay. All right. Guess someone didn't look at the schedule. But right. that's fair. Um, we'll see. Michigan first, obviously, and we're going to have our full pad full podcast on uh, Thursday or Friday to re- to to break down that game. All right. Let's oh. do some questions. Can we bring up the twenty four hour rule before we uh? 24 questions. Please go ahead. Bring it up. Okay. So we wanted to write about what the players and coaches were saying heading into Michigan three and oh, exciting times to be a Rutgers football fan. I'm sure readers wanted to hear what Rutgers early thoughts were against Michigan. Greg comes out in his press conference before anyone asks a question and reminds (laughs) us all (laughs) every game is a season 
you, you can't look down the line because it takes so much mental fortitude to pour into a one week season. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was the Virginia tech season. And now they're moving on to the Michigan season. Yep. Right. It's a whole season in one. So the 24 hour rule says you can't look ahead to the next opponent until until 24 hours later after the win. So nobody we interviewed, I, we interviewed eight different players after the game and not one person had anything to say about Michigan. And it was, except for one, one baby quote from Shiano that says, quote, we know what's coming End quote. Yeah. That's great. I love it. Yeah. I don't know where I would rank the 24 hour. Like one, one of these days I want to, I should write a column, like the 10 ranking the top 10 Shianoisms. And I guess the 24-hour rule would crack the list. I don't know if it's top five, to be honest with you. There's, I mean, certainly we know what number one is. Chop. Here's another chop. insider insider tip. Yeah. He's now wearing a sweatshirt that just says, it has the block R, and then under it, it says the ball. So obviously is right? the ball is yeah. the program. That is, that's definitely top five now. No question. Yeah. I'm going to do that. That's a good project for a slow week. All right. Nice. Someone remind me. All right. Questions. Got a lot of them. Thank you for subscribing. As always, go to nj.com, Rutgers Insider, to find out more information about our text service. Uh, We got a question from Jeff Steer about the big picture. Who else is now projecting six wins? It sounds like all of us are kind of on that basic path now. Certainly, I feel better about getting the six than I did at the start of the season. You Both of you are there as well, I think. Or close to it. Been there since the beginning, so jump on the bandwagon. Wow, listen to this guy, Mr. I'm at a point. Six and six. (laughs) Six and six. I'm at a point where I think it would be disappointing if they didn't make it to six wins at this point. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So we have switched a little bit. No question. All right. A lot of questions are along this line. Um, do we actually have a quarterback? I was at the game of Wimps. It looks as inaccurate as ever and continues not to see open receivers in progression. My take is no. I'm ready for AJ Serres. We've addressed this somewhat. It's a bit of jumping off a little too soon. I'm interested again. Let's see what he does in a situation where he's got to pass the ball. Let's see if he regresses to turning the ball over. Either one of you guys want to take a stab at that one? Rutgers is running the ball 66% of the time. Is that right? Wow. What do you expect from a quarterback who's, who's making up the difference there? Right? Like, let's not call, let's not think of Gavin Wimsett as this Heisman candidate. He is a game manager at this point in his career. Yep. That's what he's being asked to do. And I'm going to leave it at that because I think his development from last year to this season is significant. And and again, we're only in year two. Maybe by year three or four, he's lighting it up. But when you go back to the history of great Rutgers quarterbacks, and there aren't many, it took a decent amount of time to develop them into all Big East players. And no one came in and lit it up the way people are expecting this to go so and the idea that we're going to jump right onto another teenager who's still in high school it's just like come on guys let's not do that again i mean no one's no one's but no one's banged the drama but more more other quarterbacks than the one playing than me so i understand that this is said with some you know but yeah you gotta you gotta roll with this kid now he's 19 years old he's playing at much better than he did pat said than he did last year I get it. He's not, he is not yet Josh Allen or, or just anybody. I understand that, but still give him a chance. His floor is decently high. He hasn't turned the ball over. He has no interception, which is big. I guess my question is he's probably the best quarterback they've had since at, at this point. Right. I, I would think that he is at least at the level of Noah Vedral. Right. Sure. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. think he's better than Art Sikowski and Kyle Bolin and McLean Carter and, <laughs> Zach Allen and uh, I mean, I, how many quarterbacks do they have in the Ash era that are just flowing into my brain right now? Like Giovanni <laughs> Rochino, like I think, and look, it's not a high bar to clear, but he's been a competent quarterback. Is he going to be the quarterback that's the four-star kid that was the savior of the program? That's to be determined. He's not that yet, but for where Rutgers is right now, I think, and especially like Pat said, to where he was last year. I think that realistically, this is about as good as people could have could have hoped for. Another my final question. Point on this, my final point on this is just his job is to make sure that Rutgers offense operates at a decent level. And he's doing that with flying color, flying colors. Great point. All right. Another offensive question. Uh, what's up with Dremel? 
think he played a bit as a freshman and not much after that until this year. How did he emerge out of the wide receiver room to, to start? Nice story. Just curious. Uh, you guys wrote about this. I mean, he came in uh, post game and uh, gave a good interview. Tell me the Christian Dremel story. Underrated guy out of Don Bosco prep. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. <laughs> yeah, right. Seems like a, a common refrain. Yeah. Uh, he was a preferred walk-on. This was a guy that uh, wasn't a scholarship player out of high school. He earned it. We asked Greg Schiano about him, and he just said he's he has the utmost respect for him. He's a team-first guy, hard worker, and has played through several different injuries, including this past week. He was a little dinged up. From the last game, if you remember, he, he left that game early. So he battled his way back on the field, showed that toughness. And I, I know when I think of Christian Dremel, I always think of like just a tough team first guy. It's a really good story. Yeah, it feels like, Brian, if, if you can catch if you can catch a pass for Kirk Shiraka, he's not he doesn't care about where you came from. They just need someone who's good to be able to get open. Uh, and he's done a nice job with that. Yeah, he emerged in the spring. He was their most improved player in the spring. Uh, he had a nice training camp. Probably He leads them in receptions and targets, I believe. He's probably going to keep doing that. Uh, he's their go-to guy in the slot. And what I can say about him as a compliment is that he looks like a scholarship guy. He came on as a walk-on. Totally. He looks like he belongs. Look, I don't think you want Christian Dremel to be your number one receiver. That's probably not. I mean, as good as the guy has been, how, as much as he's gotten better, probably not the guy you want to be your number one receiver if you want to have a, you know, a good passing attack. But he's doing his job. He's doing what he's asked to do. Scored his first career touchdown on Saturday. And like you guys said, nice story. Every offense needs guys like Christian Dremel. So defensive questions. Got this one a, a few times. Is this the best defensive back group since the McCourty-Courtney-Green collection? Uh, I'm not quite ready to go there yet. That was really good. Those guys played in the NFL for a long time. Pat, where are we now with where how we feel about what this – what this DB group is capable of in historic perspective. I think it's really good. What I'm what I'm really curious about is this group from last year, because obviously you brought back longer beam and Melton. Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing what Christian Izian is doing in the NFL Great right point. now. Yeah. With Avery Young as well at safety. So last year's defensive back room, I thought on paper at the very least was better than this group. But the way this team has played through through three games, maybe that's a little bit different. But uh, I think historically that court, that McCourty group is just unbelievable. Uh, I don't think it's there yet for sure. Yes, we got to see what it does against Michigan and maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. We've got some we've got some offenses upcoming. Yeah, and just think of the the teams that Rutgers has played. Actually, though, Temple was a really good is a is a solid passing team. And Rutgers defense really brought it to him in that game. So I will give him credit for that. But the other two were simply not passing teams. This question has come up a lot. What is the status with Moses Walker? Is he hurt? I don't think I've seen him play yet. I mean, again, I just, Rutgers has has known who its two linebackers were going to be. And those guys had played pretty well. I mean, Tyreen Powell had a, I thought he had a really good game uh, uh, against Virginia Tech. Deion Jennings is another guy who's just a he's a man. And you know, Craig Shiano on the list of Shianoisms, <laughs> number eight was probably going to be that one. Like you know, the, so uh, Brian, are we? It's just just a numbers game for Moses Walker, or is he hurt? No, he's played every game on special teams. Um, he's not hurt. He's um, just there's no room, there's no space because, like you said, you have two. Uh, established linebackers, guys who played a lot last year and have been playing very well. Um, and then you have Mo Ture, another guy who Shiano referred to as a man who, when he hits you, he hits you. He said that about yeah. Mo Ture and he said that about Flip Dixon. So ultimate compliment from Greg Shiano. Uh, when you have those those three guys playing at the level they're playing so far, I mean, Mo Ture has been incredible coming off of uh, the ACL tear from a year ago. He is picking up right where he left off those two years. He left them in sacks. So when you have those three guys kind of dominating the snaps, it's kind of hard to find some space, which is a good problem to have because, you know, three years ago, four years ago, Moses Walker would be starting at linebacker. Now he has time to kind of develop as any other player would. And uh, when he does get to the field, I think he'll be older, more mature, bigger, stronger, and more ready to play linebacker in the Big Ten. So I think him not playing is a good problem uh, for Rutgers to have. Agreed. Totally. All right. Special teams. We got some special teams questions. Sue and Somerset wants to know what was the strategy around so many short kickoffs. I think we were all 
like, hey, Rutgers has got it's finally good. Well, every kickoff is going to be a touchback this year. And then all of a sudden, no, that changed. Was there a strategy or I don't know. Anybody? Was there wind? Was that a thing? Uh, I don't think so. There's a lot of wind. My only thought, it, it just looked like they were intentionally kicking it short. Uh, obviously, like they kept kicking it to the same up back. So my my one thought as I was sitting there was maybe they were afraid of kicking it to a potentially dangerous return man and that they didn't want to blow this on special teams. That was my only hypothesis. I have no idea if that's right or, or anything, but it just seemed like it, it seemed intentional that they were kicking to that one guy. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, the other point I would make, it seems like special teams have been pretty solid here early in the season. You had the special team player of the week, uh, Jay Patel, who has not had to really do much since then. So keep that in mind. So another question was about uh, Rashad Rochelle, who seems scared of the ball and backed off several punts. Is there any other return options available? Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we've, we know Young did that some. What are your thoughts on on whether or not uh, we've got a return issue? The biggest thing that Rutgers wants out of its returners is to not muff punts and not become yeah. a liability fair catch the ball or if you have to do it Rochelle <laughs> did let it bounce call poison let the play die um I think he's doing what he's being asked to do the only other option is probably Aaron Young who still hasn't played this season I he wasn't on the availability report but I don't think he took a snap against Virginia Tech um but I think Rochelle has it for the foreseeable future it used to be Dremel I don't think they're going to risk him anymore just because his role in the offense um, so I think this is, I, I don't expect a punt return touchdown this season is what I'm saying. I think right. a fair catch and let it bounce and not commit any risk whatsoever in that aspect of the game. All right. We go to, we got a bunch of just, I love the questions about stuff other than football. And there, there are so many, because again, we watched the game in the press box. So I don't get a good feel out of the time for what's happening in the crowd. Greg and PA had some friends from Virginia tech uh, come and they sat in the end zone. They said they wish they had ear earplugs for that train horn. Another one for the train horn. Got it. Um, uh, <laughs> making the so another one seems like they have a new toy with the train horn. They had they have not. They don't understand. They use the soundboard yet. Complaining about the random random noise screams. I haven't heard that one, but okay. Um, and Anthony from Rockaway. I love I love this one. This has never occurred to me. Why would Chiano have us all in red on the sunny side? against a team all in white on the shady sideline. The shade started covering their sideline around halftime and it was pretty hot in the sun. Also correlated with their comeback. Do you think the dark uniforms and the sun on that side of the stadium contributed to the Virginia comeback? Anthony Rockaway has an interesting point. Well, I've been known to be a guy for to support conspiracy theories on this podcast. Right. Uh Yep. However, <laughs> especially is, especially knowing where you were on January 6th, 2021, yeah. yes. let's just keep let's just keep on putting it out there until finally you are arrested for your crimes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, this is one thing that just I can't even give credence to. I'm sorry, Anthony from Rockaway. I don't think this was on the mind of anyone uh, in terms of the color of the uniform color choice. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to deal with the weather. Yeah. And a lot of people, it's funny. This another one comes up a, a bunch. The sun, I guess is tough in the stadium looking for a sunshade. Perhaps there's, is there budget for like a domed stadium of Piscataway? They can do what they can do. What MetLife stadium should have done and like put a roof over it. What do you think? Huh? And people bring umbrellas. Like, are they allowed to bring in an umbrella? To oh, they're not allowed. Yeah. Not allowed. I saw some people get had to throw them out of the Temple game. They were very upset about it. So no umbrellas. Are hats allowed? Hats are a good idea. I saw in the film review, there, there was multiple images of Greg Schiano covering his eyes to see past the sun <laughs> during plays. He was using his play card. He was using his hands. I was begging somebody, please, God, give him some sunglasses or give something. Give the man a visor. Get, get Deion Sanders to send those leftover sunglasses he ordered for the entire city of Boulder <laughs> and bring them over to Piscataway. My, my God, the poor guy is going to go blind staring into the sun. Get him something. And look, I think, was, as we know, Greg Schiano is a guy who thinks about quite literally everything. Everything. Yes. I have no doubt in my okay. mind he thought about the pattern of the sun on Saturday. I just what do not think. What are we doing? My, my, my thing is I don't think 
the uniform color plays into it. I, do you, does does red run hot like black does? I'm not an expert in that, but I got to think, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to move the sun? You're going to move the stadium? You're like, what? what I, this this segment could be worse than a Fonseca soccer soccer bit. I mean, this is, we got to move, move the sun. You got to move the sun. Yeah. That's, the, that's the only on. solution. You got to move it. Yeah. I mean, what, what are you going to do? I mean, you, <laughs> I don't it know. moves itself, apparently. It, it spins around the earth, <laughs> from what I understand. Another conspiracy theory that you could throw in there. Um, I love the Deion the Sanders point is great. Like you should, and I can tell you one thing that Greg Shannon would not have done. He would not, he would not have said something to piss off Deion Sanders before they played that game. That was great. I watched that one time when I got home from the Rutgers Rutgers game, and that was that was that was something else. An extraordinary college football game. I fell yeah, asleep so. right when overtime started. Um, mm-hmm. and to, to Jay Norvell's point, he may have said something very stupid. He almost won. He almost won that game. Right. He should have won that game. They were up 11 in the fourth quarter. Should have won. Yeah, did not win. Did not win. All right. 24-point dogs. <laughs> Upsets are possible. <laughs> Final question from CJ and Basking Ridge, who always has good questions. Dear Insiders, my question for you this week is a challenge. Can you use all or most of the following words in a sentence? Family, chop, trust, Season undefeated student section moment takeaway and body blows. This is a man who is in, who you CJ is encouraging me to write that column. The ten the ten greatest Shianoisms, all of them would be in there. That's good. I love it. Trust is a big one. We got that. The student section, man, they get a lot. No no single group has been mentioned more in post game, pre game, midweek press conferences. It's a good one. Thank you, CJ. I'm not sure I can use them all in the sentence. I trust my family to chop the season alongside the student section and deliver body blows. I forgot the rest, but that was pretty good. If you ask me, you got pretty far. Not bad. Good job. All right. Thanks for the questions, everybody. Appreciate it. What else do we got? Um, Eight, no field hockey. And I, what, why did they play their first seven games on the road? I'm sure you guys don't have the answer to this, but the first home game to go eight. No. Why have we been denied the ability to see the field hockey team here in New Jersey? Road warriors. Building the resume. I don't know. Doing a uh, field hockey solidarity tour in the Pac-12 country, as I've said before. You know, going to UC Davis and Stanford and, I don't know, the Big Ten scheduling. I think they had their first Big Ten game was a road game against Penn State, which they won in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Meredith Civico's team, best start in program history. They've already matched their win total from last season. Wow. And they're uh, they're rolling, man. I mean, this is uh, another uh, a good team with a good chance of winning another Big Ten title. Maybe even making a run in the national tournament the way they're playing. The ladies are rolling. The fact that they're only ranked 10th shows I'm, 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 I am clearly tipping my toe in something I know nothing about, which I'm always good to always good at here at the end of this podcast. I just want I me. Mean, it seems like they're, they, they still haven't been bought in now. If you're eight, no, and you're 10th, I guess they still have some, something to prove. They face two top 10 teams in the next two weeks. So well, much like the Rutgers football team, this is a prove it section of the schedule. So uh, you beat one of those, you're probably going to get the top 10. You beat two of those. You might get to top five, so we shall who see. Who is the who is the best best field hockey team in the country? Uh, North Carolina is a dynasty. Your Tar Heels, which I'm sure you followed. Right. You were just asking me that so I could say the Tar I Heels. Did. Of course, you totally. Yes. They're wearing your yes. Tar Heel blue right now. I see you. They have a 22 year old head coach. North Carolina field hockey is pretty cool. Awesome story. Literally the, yep. the greatest player in the history of the program mm-hmm. is just like, all right, I'll coach them now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Men's soccer thrilling draw saves the season. Kind of that's you must've put that note in here in the podcast script. I don't know what that means. Tell me Jackson temple scores. So now in college soccer, they don't do overtime and they just have a straight, you know, 90 minute clock when the buzzer sounds, the buzzer sounds just like basketball, which is a bit unique compared to how soccer's run through the rest of the world. And with a second left on the clock, Rutgers is down one, nothing to Michigan state. Jackson temple scores a buzzer beating goal to tie just rare stuff, thrilling stuff at your sack and a result they really needed because they've struggled early in the season. Uh, they've had a few laws. They lost to Delaware. They lost to UCLA. They tied with Princeton uh, and to get the big 10 schedule off with the loss would have been pretty bad. So uh, they saved a result in thrilling fashion. And now they kind of really have to start ramping things up here in the big 10 or things can get ugly like the women's soccer team, which is mm. having a very difficult start to the year. They just lost to Indiana and uh, they have, Number six, Penn State, I believe this week. Uh, just things are really snowballing for Mike O'Neill's team, and they're going to need something to start happening soon. Or this could be, you know, this could be the first season they missed the NCAA tournament in a long time. Wow, that's uh, surprising. But certainly, you uh, when you got a coach Mike, like Mike O'Neill who's done what he's done, you're entitled to one of those every now and then. So 
Uh, all right. This is the furthest we've gotten this podcast without mentioning the name Dylan Harper. Congratulations to both to all of us. Let's give a round of a thunderous applause for that. We did have a recruit in the building at SHI Stadium, enough for you to get up and Brian, for you to leave the press box again and go on a hunting expedition to get photos of him. What do we got going on here? In trying to get photos of him, uh, I may have done so with a cheerleader five feet in front of me, and I was so laser-focused on getting a photo of the recruit, I didn't notice it looked like I was taking a very creepy photo of a cheerleader. And Chris, <laughs> I wish we had a photo of that. That would be great. Chris Eisman, of, uh, of our colleague at, at Gannett, saw it happen right in front of him, and he laughs. I've never seen him laugh so hard. So, <laughs> But yes, that aside, uh, Brandon Storrs Jr., he's a four-star kid from the class of 2025. His father, he played for Steve Hain when he was a player. Now his son is a big-time recruit. He was on an official visit. My understanding is Rutgers is doing well with him. Uh, he had a good visit, and so that's positive. And they had Jalen Harrell, another four-star kid from Massachusetts, from the New England area, uh, on an unofficial visit on Friday. Um, so Rutgers is, once again, having good recruits in the building. And meanwhile, Dylan Harper, Ron Harper Jr. was at the game, at the football game. Dylan Harper was in New York City playing in another one of these you know, outdoor challenges. I believe it was Nike this time. Um, but he, which is good because that means he was not at Auburn as Charlie Donovan uh, had speculated that he could be on a visit. So that's a good sign, but that's really all I have on Dylan Harbor. Trudy, Trudy whiffed on that one, didn't he? Totally uh, whiff. Hey man, we all, we all whiff sometimes. Mike O'Neill whiffs sometimes. Trudy Johansson whiffs sometimes. We whiff mm-hmm. sometimes. So yeah. uh, it is what it is. If you if the one thing you should watch, and I watched it this morning, if you have not seen Dylan Harper's video of him guarding Steph Curry, you're probably going to tell me it's been out there for like, four months now i just saw it it's really funny he's got he has got his brother's personality you can tell he's got a little bit of ron harper jr kind of swagger kind of funny and that's great it's just like another reason why you'd love to love to get him on campus here i agree well that and the fact that he'd be maybe the best basketball player in program history but that's just that's an aside yeah that's an aside all right i think that's it anything else pat you look like you have one last thing to say do it finish Uh, this up two actually I saw a video of Carl Anthony Towns practicing at Jersey Mike's Arena. Oh. Big, big Piscataway native that got, Rutgers may a, have been yeah. able to get if this if he was if Heichel was recruiting him out of high school. Maybe he's got, he's got eligibility eligibility left. <laughs> yeah. Bring him back. And then the last thing is a wrestling update. Uh, Rutgers graduate Sebastian Rivera, at the time of this taping, is is through to the semifinals at the World Championships at wow. sixty five kilograms, but he's competing for team puerto rico not team usa um just because it's easier to get a spot on that team as opposed to qualifying for the u.s national team i'll get out of the weeds but no stay in the weeds puerto rico does not have an olympic team though right puerto rico is i think no i think uh i think if he qualifies here they do have a they do have an olympic team right because u.s played puerto rico in the olympics all right i take that back there was a woman that won the first medal for puerto rico in the olympics in tennis Totally right. Absolutely. My yeah. mistake. So he could he could go to the Olympics under the Puerto Rican flag. Absolutely. And uh, he, he's ripped off three tech falls to get to this point. He's looked tremendous. So um, I, I'll probably write something at some point when when his uh, his run is up here. But he's uh, looking like a, a potential world medalist, which is really significant. Nice. All right. Good job, fellas. I appreciate it, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, And we'll be back later in the week to do our Michigan predictions and the ever-popular alumni game. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.